Blog Talk Radio. Do you believe that death is the end? Or is it just a new beginning? Does our soul continue to evolve? Or is it buried six feet under? Spiritual encounters and unexplained phenomena have intrigued people for centuries. But what if you could find the answer? Right here, right here, right now. Right now. Welcome to Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. Where we will talk with everyday people who have had extraordinary experiences and gifted souls that see beyond the veil. Beyond the veil. Together, we'll diminish our fear of death, explore our soul's evolution and soften the crippling grief that accompanies loss. Heavenly Encounters. You, our listeners, will discover a new world. A new world. A fresh reality. A fresh reality. Just a whisper away. Heavenly Encounters. So take a deep breath and join us on this fascinating adventure. This is Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. A journey to the other side. Heavenly Welcome to Heavenly Encounters, A Journey to the Other Side. I am your host, Mary Elizabeth, broadcasting from Chicago, Illinois. And I am your co-host, Janice, broadcasting live from St. Louis, Missouri. Well, our guest today was a busy New Yorker whose life abruptly changed when she heard the mystical elderly voice of Addie Mae Aubrey, a Southern African-American woman. It led to her channeling the book, Trusting the Currents, which has won its 10th book award for literary excellence and was a top winner in the USA Book News Best Book Awards in Visionary Fiction. We'll get to our guest in just one minute, so, but first, don't forget to check out my new blog, Glowing Green and Paradigm Shifts. You can also access all of our past shows at heavenlyencountersradio.com. Okay, Janice. Yes. I got a, I got a quick question for you. Okay. Now, you spend a lot of time as what I like to call out in the ether. Uh-huh. So That's what is true. it like just to have, I mean, I can't imagine someone just like knocking on your third eye. I don't know how it happens. How does someone just come to you and start just talking with you? Well, I think that they're always there. And I think you just develop on your spiritual path until you become one in frequency, if you will, or vibration, where they okay. have the ability to, to talk to you and you can actually hear them. And that's the way I experienced it. Um, I always had what I thought was an inner voice that I always said. I, I, I always right. listened to my inner voice. And then one day that inner voice introduced himself and had a name. Oh, and wow. It, yeah. And it was, you know, I, I questioned it because you always wonder, you know, I can remember thinking, God, my, my imagination just must be off the charts. <laughs> and then I would test the voice and ask it questions right. that I didn't know and look up answers. And after a couple of months, I just started journaling everything that Sunmut said to me and checking wow. it out. And then after a while, but it's the most wonderful, beautiful experience. That I don't even know that if there are words to it, it's it's magnificent. Wow. Well, you know, we always joke about having voices in our head, but yes. some people actually do. They actually do. <laughs> well, our guest today sick. is Linda Apollio, the author of Trusting the Currents, a spiritual story of self-discovery, of faith, courage, forgiveness, and the uneasy search for one's place in life. 
Linda, welcome to the show. Welcome. Hi, Mary. Hi, Janice. Thanks for having me. appreciate it. Oh, thank well, you for absolutely. coming. Absolutely. This was one of the most fascinating books I have, I've got to tell you I've read in a long, long time. But before we get to all of that, let's start from the very beginning. Um, did you communicate with the other side as a child, or is this something kind of new? No, I've always been sort of connected to the other side. Um, I didn't know that that was what I was doing back then. I just thought it was normal, but I was always connecting to other energies. I used to communicate with insects when I was a child and just always had a natural rhythm um, between between the worlds. But I kind of lost it as I got older, and then it came back when Addie Mae started speaking to me. So prior to her coming into your life, where were you? Um, I was an advertising executive. Um, I was living in New York. Um, I had been um, working in advertising for a number of years and living a traditional advertising life. I mean, I always had a connection to spirit, and Mm -hmm. I was always working with crystals and sort of interested in that, but it really wasn't a part of my life like it had been when I was a child. Um, right. But it was um, it was something that was just always part of me. So when did Addie Mae first start talking with you? Um, well, I I had a couple encounters with her years before she actually started speaking to me. I had one when I was waking up from sleep um, one day, and I heard a southern black woman's voice say one sentence, and I can't remember the sentence, and it was a very innocuous sentence, like, the sky is blue today. But in that mm-hmm. one sentence, I felt like I knew everything, like the world was being revealed to me, and I understood exactly what we were doing here and everything that we needed to know about life. And, but as I came out of sleep, I forgot it. Um, and then it it wasn't until um, after my father died and I ended up in Sedona that I sort of felt her spirit with me again. And then and then after that is when she started speaking to me. So it was it was a series of events over a, over a few right. years period. So you were living this busy life in New York City, probably not talking to a lot of insects. Uh, but what no, prompted you to then. actually? <laughs> what prompted you to leave the city and then just kind of hightail it to Sedona? Um, well, I took care of my father for a year before he died, and um, I I write about this in my book because it was an important part of the transition um, in to speaking to Addie Mae. My father, um, I hadn't seen him in 17 years, and I got a phone call that he was dying. And I went to see him, and I took care of him for a year. And about a week after he died, um, I went to go into the bathroom in the morning, and I heard a voice uh, say to me, go to Sedona. And I, um, I had heard of Sedona, Arizona, but I'd never been there before. So I walked out of the bathroom, and I said to my boyfriend, um, I'm going to Sedona. And he said, where's that? And I said, that's in Arizona. He said, when are you going? I said, I don't know, as soon as I can get there. And I basically got on a plane two or three weeks later and didn't know where I was staying or how long I was staying for, but I just knew I had to go. And I got there, and I ended up staying five months the first time I went, and that really was the reinitiation of my childhood spirituality and my connection to nature. I started living on raw foods. I started communicating to insects once again, and and it was just this sort of peeling away of um, everything that I had been and everything that other people had expected me to be. Um, it just sort of released me from everything and really exposed who I truly was. 
You know, mm-hmm. now I've occasionally talked to flowers quite a bit. I actually talked to them quite a lot. They don't have a lot to say. They're, I'm thirsty or I need more sun. But what do <laughs> insects say? I'm just really curious. It was, it's, it's not really a, a, a voice with words. It's more of an understanding. Um, okay. I, I feel like they are other-dimensional in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, that they have a consciousness. It may not be exactly like ours. And with insects particularly, a lot of times they won't really have a connection to you until you have a connection to them. So there's a conscious connection that is made, and then they realize that you're there. It's the same kind of thing. Like they don't know that you're there until you realize that they're there. Um, and so I, was, I particularly had connections to dragonflies and beetles. Um, Those are the things. I used to be able to call dragonflies to me when I was living in Sedona, and they would come and land on my finger. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. How amazing. And that's why the dragonfly... I'm sorry, go ahead. What? No, go ahead. No, that's that's why the dragonfly becomes the icon for the the character in in, uh, Trusting the Currents, because she became the icon for me, and there was a real relationship between me and Addie Mae. Wow. So when you were in Sedona, you said that all these layers of your old life began to peel away. Why was that so important in order to complete the journey that you were on? Um, Because I don't think Addie Mae could have gotten to me with the perceptions of who I was. Mm -hmm. Um, I had become basically who who everyone else had wanted me to be. I was my mother's child, my father's caretaker, um, you know, the, the girlfriend, the advertising executive, the New Yorker, and I really had kind of lost my real soul essence. And I think what going to Sedona did was, um, and I think the Buddhists, I could be wrong about this, but I think the Buddhists call it plunging. When you take yourself out of your environment and you put yourself somewhere else where there is nothing familiar. And for me, the landscape was different. I didn't know anyone. I changed the way I ate. I mean, there was literally nothing familiar to me. I didn't have any friends there. So everything that I had been taught that I was that was not authentic to me just began to peel away um, until finally I was actually who I was. And and I've never, still to this day, have never felt that pure essence of uh, of being me as I did during those five months when I was there. Wow. Wow. Janice, I know you've got something to say about that. <laughs> well, I, you know, that that's so interesting because, you know, when we talk about the new age and all of the different evolutionary, you know, changes that are happening, that's the one thing everybody's talking about is how, or Sinmet will call it, becoming the divine within, you know, mm-hmm. becoming who we truly are. And it's it's really amazing, like you were saying, you know, you define yourself by so many other people's definitions of who you should be. And it's really mm-hmm. amazing that you can get to be 40 or 50 and honestly say, I don't know who I am. Yeah, right. well, or or you think you know who you are, and it's not until you get out of your environment that you realize that you're you're really not that person. Right. You're just putting a mask on. Um, and I was, I mean, I was unhappy, and... Um, and I didn't really know what, why I was going there or how long I was staying for, but it was um, it really began my my next initiation um, wow. into that that world. Right. Well, one afternoon you said that Addie Mae laughed and said, "It's not what happened to me that matters." How did that moment change your life? It changed everything. It changed everything that I became. I mean, there's been no one that's been more influential in my life than Addie Mae. Because when she started speaking to me, I 
literally dropped everything that I was and followed her words. And I knew that I had to tell her story. And, um, and so it started slowly. I mean, I just started, every time I would feel her, it became almost, it was like a pressure in me to write. And I would write what she told me to write. And she always picked up where she left off. So I wrote Stream of Consciousness. So in the beginning, it was just, I felt like she was sort of training me to how how she felt um, how she felt when she came to me. And it was, I was compared to sort of jumping, I, I called it um, jumping into the blue indigo abyss. It felt like jumping into indigo water, and it was really cold and very uncomfortable, but then once I got settled into it, it became this warm flowing current, and that's when she would write and speak, speak through me. And then when she was, when she left, I would just pop back up again, and it was over. And even if I tried oh, to write wow. more, I... I couldn't. I had to wait until she came back. And then I just followed her her voice. I mean, after writing in New York for a while, she told me to go back to Sedona about a year into it. And I just got on a plane and went back to Sedona and left everything behind and spent the last, the the next nine months just sitting by myself in a a room in Sedona writing. And um, all all the nature that experienced in the book all came from my experiences when I was there. So I just listened wow. to her. I mean, I am a completely different person than I would have been yeah. if she hadn't come into my life. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, when yeah. I read this book, which is about 300 pages long, I did it in about two sittings. So, I mean, honestly, I felt as if Addie Mae was actually reading this to me. So I can't only, I can't even imagine what it felt like to have her kind of coming through you and then channeling it. So like you it said, was, you're going I mean, into this like indigo abyss. It just, it had to be just incredible. She made it. She made the two years of channeling very easily. Um, she just opened doors. Everything was easy. Everything was beautiful. I ended up in beautiful places. It was. She made the experience as easy as it could possibly be for me. Now, after she finished channeling um, the the first draft of it, um, then she left, and everything else was left to me. I mean, I would feel her presence, but it was up to me to get it to the point where it could be published. It was up to me to continue on. I mean, she didn't keep it easy. <laughs> then I went through some of the journey that she writes about in the book that Addie Mae and Jenny and the other characters go through. Um, she took me through as well. And I think part of that was part of the journey of resonating with her story. Um, and everyone who reads the book seems to resonate with her story like she tells them their story. I mean, people who read the book all think that she's telling them some way her, their own story. And that's yeah. how it was for me, too. Well, the thing that's strange is here's you've got this southern black woman, and nothing at all like most of our lives, but yet, you know, for me when I'm reading this book, everything related to me about what I'm going through in my life, what I'm searching for, and it's it's almost like it's a universal message, I think, that needs to go out to the world personally. Well, it was it was interesting because when I was channeling this, and you know, I'm the white woman from from New York, and mm-hmm. I would ask Addie Mae all the time, like, why me? Like, this is ridiculous. You know, I'm not. I felt very unworthy of the messages and the story that she was that that she was providing. And she would say that's exactly why to show what two women that share the same compassionate spirit can accomplish mm-hmm. when they work together on something. It was all about that we don't really have any differences. And that right. you know we should celebrate them. I mean, we 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 come back, we go back to where we have no differences, and this is the place that we celebrate them. Did you wow, ever feel that beautiful. you had known her in a past life? 
Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it, it was sort of interesting. Um, I felt like... I felt like she knew me more than I knew her. I don't know. That's hard. That's hard to explain. But she she felt like my teacher more uh-huh. than we had been friends somewhere in a past life. Um, yeah. Um, but um, and and I don't know whether you know she existed. I don't think she. I mean, she's she is named after Addie Mae Collins, who is one of the four little girls that were killed in the Birmingham church bombing, because. For the first um, year that I was writing the book, she gave me her last name, she, which is Aubrey. She gave me the names of all the other characters, but she never would give me her first name. And I kept changing it. It never felt right. And then it was the anniversary of the Birmingham church bombing, and they had just caught the guy that that had done it. And they had uh, on television they had a picture of the four little girls. And as soon as I saw Addie Mae Collins' picture, I literally burst out into tears because I knew that that was her name. Like her name was Addie Mae. And for the rest of the time I wrote the book, I had a picture of Addie Mae Collins taped to my computer. And I wrote to Addie Mae Collins, and her presence, even though I don't think it was her spirit, her presence was a big part of of the writing of this book. And I still think about her. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. Well, as I said, now this book to me is just right up there with the Celestine Prophecy. It is such a beautiful story. It takes you on this amazing journey of awakening. It's just chocked full of spiritual wisdom. So what I'd like to do, I mean, I've got like eight pages of quotes that I took out of this book that were just totally profound, but I've got a few that I'd like to just kind of talk about. And the first really is, you know, trusting the currents. Why is that so important in our life? Um, well, I mean, particularly now and with, with what's mm-hmm. going on, on on the planet, I mean, we have to believe that we're that we are moving in a direction that may seem unknown and scary, but that it is for our, our highest good. And I think, you know, with the message that Addie Mae tells in the book is, you know, the thing is to know yourself well enough to know when to trust the currents and when to and when to fight in a new direction. But the whole the whole point with Addie Mae is is knowing yourself, you know, and and getting in touch with who you really are, and not letting anyone else's perception of you be the thing that defines you. And that's what she learns throughout throughout the book. Absolutely. And then another quote she has is, "No matter how lonely and scary the path seemed at times, she let me know I was not its first traveler. I was never alone." neither are you. And I think so many people feel like they are alone in this lifetime. I mean, the suicide rate is off the charts. And the truth is, we're not alone. We've got more angels and guides and more help to direct us, you know, along the way. And I think that's really what your book showed as well. Well, yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's really about sharing vulnerability. You know, if one person is alone, they're vulnerable. If two people are alone, that's the beginning of strength. And I think, you know, what this book talks about and and what it hopefully will will do for people is to allow them to be vulnerable with other people so that they can talk about because we're all struggling you know we're all going mm-hmm. through something right now we're we're sharing this journey together and even even those that seem like they're doing great they're just hiding it better right <laughs> so you know we're human yeah. beings we're all going through this journey through right. life and once we start allowing ourselves to be vulnerable with each other, we can we can find strengths together and we can support each other in ways that we maybe haven't enough in the past. Absolutely. And I think one of those things, too, is a lot of people right now feel a little bit stuck, especially those maybe on the lightworker path. 
And this, I believe, is a quote from Addie Mae's mother to her. It's Addie Mae, who you are now and what you know are only limited by this moment. The next moment, or the one after that, you can be anyone and anything else you choose. Which we can change our life on a dime. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, you you can't change anything in the past, but from this moment on, you can make different decisions, and you can you can bring different people into your path, and you can become someone that you didn't expect to become, which is what happened to Addie Mae and what happened to me. And I think what happens to many people once they start going on a spiritual path is you generally become someone that you didn't expect to become, and then you have to learn to trust that. Right. Oh, absolutely. I think most of us probably, other than Janice, <laughs> Janice, I think you were you were on the had one foot on each side from the beginning. But I mean, for me, <laughs> I didn't really wake up yeah until about forty years old, and I think that's really more the norm for most people. When you finally start asking yourself, God, there's got to be more out there than this than just working, paying bills, trying to make a mortgage. I mean, there just is more to life. And that just goes to show that we can become anything that we do choose. So yeah. So, the next quote, learn to trust the truth buried in your own heart. From this day on, don't let anyone make your mind for you. Spend time alone, explore deep within to find life's answers. They'll all be waiting inside. No one else owns them more than you. And you know what? That's exactly what you did, Linda, by going to Sedona. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's something that Addie may still still sort of like talks to me about. I mean, that's a ongoing lesson for me. I mean, the the one thing I've I learned from writing this book is, you know, I thought, you know, sort of arrogantly in the beginning, I think that I was sort of the teacher bringing this book in and I found out um through the journey she took me on over the last several years that I was actually its biggest student. And that as soon as I knew what I thought I knew everything, I realized I knew nothing. Right. <laughs> and so now <laughs> You know, I have learned to, you know, more to trust what's inside of me and um, and just keep following that, um, even if I don't know where it's going, because it's right. it's it's my truth. It may not be anyone else's, but it's mine. And some people and don't I, understand the the difference between being alone, like a sacred aloneness, and being lonely. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it, once you experience that 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 beautiful aloneness, being one with God, being one with nature, like you said, talking to insects and that, you you realize that you God, you are not alone, not by a long shot. No, I mean, and once and and once you're connected to the earth, I mean, I, I, Addie Mae talks about this in the book too. Once you're connected to the earth, you you belong to the biggest family on the planet, and you're welcome wherever you go. Because right. there are trees everywhere, you know, there are rocks everywhere, and you can connect into these things and you so that you're never alone. There's, you always have a family around you. Yes. Absolutely. So is Addie Mae still with you? Uh, she's not with me like she was when I was channeling the book and in the, in the couple. This book has taken me 12 years to get out. It was two years to channel mm-hmm. it, and it was another eight years of of me denying it and trying to ignore it and saying I'm not doing it and then keep yeah, it's a, it's a whole other story but but so it took me a long time and Addie Mae only is with me now in in spits um and usually when I'm most afraid um I find that when I become very afraid of something I feel her presence it's not a voice 
Um, I don't hear her voice anymore. I never heard her voice once she finished the first draft. When she finished telling me her story, I never heard her again. I would feel her, but I never heard her again. Hmm. Well, you know, you mentioned in your book, um, and I love this line, that Thoreau talked about life opening up when you're going your right way. And, you know, you've said that this book almost has a life or a pulse on its own. Every time you've kind of turned away from it, something else comes up and keeps on pulling you back into it. Yes. I I mean, I've, you know, I've tried to ignore this book many, many times and, and try to go back to what I would call it a normal life, and it would just keep pulling me back um, into it. And I think that's because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, a lot of us that are on this path, um, we know what we should be doing, but we deny mm-hmm. it or it gets too hard and we give up. And, um, I mean, that's why I think the book eventually was called Trusting the Currents because it's, it's to help all of those who are on unusual paths, you know, to trust those currents. They may not be, you know, in the main river. They may be a tributary, but but they're going in the right direction. And the thing is, no one ever said it was going to be easy. I know I've done, uh, gosh, I think I've done radio now for 13 years. I mean, Janice, you've been a healer for most of your life. Yeah. But yet, you know, neither of us are making a living at it yet. So I think it's, you know, it really does say that you've got to go after your passion. And if you really, truly believe in yourself, keep on going and keep on going. That eventually whatever's supposed to happen will happen. Yes. Well, that's it. You 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 have to... You've got to release the outcome, um, right? Because I think that kind of clogs the clogs the path, um, and that's hard to do because you know you want to be safe and you want to be comfortable and you want to be rewarded, um, but you have to let go of that. Right. You just have to let so go. So how has all of this how has all of this changed you? No, oh, I'm a completely different person. I, mean, I guess what hasn't changed is <laughs> more. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm a completely different person. Um, you know, she. She took me into the light. She took me into the dark. She took me into places within me that I didn't know existed. She took me to places on the planet I never would have gone to. Um, she she taught me about myself in ways that I never would have learned. Um, and you know, I'm I'm a different person. Uh, she's like I said, she's been the most influential person in my life. I mean, she's the closest person to me, even though yeah. she's never really existed. <laughs> That's amazing. So the most important question, where can people buy your book? Um, well, it's, it's available online uh, through Amazon.com and iTunes and BarnesandNoble.com right now, and I think a few other of the online. Um, it's not available in bookstores at this point, but it is available online. So Amazon.com is good. Okay, and then also so you've I got think- a website as well, correct? Yes, it's www.lindapolio, L-Y-N-N-D-A, polio, P-O-L-L-I-O.com. And I'm on Twitter and Facebook as well. One good read if you're a reader. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thanks. Thank you so I really much appreciate it. So, so Annie May with us. I, I love the work that you guys are doing. Thank you so much oh, for, for being thank there. Thank you for sharing it with us. Great. Have a great night. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye, Linda. Okay, Janice, what do you think? Oh, I, you know, for me, I mean, I could just sit and listen to this. It's like another story of right. what I experienced, even though some of the experiences are different. You just have, and you are, and I, that's why I never like the word channeling. I always use the word scribe, mm-hmm. and that's how I looked to myself. You know, you're sitting at the feet of the masters, and they're dictating right. to you and right. teaching you. 
And it's I mean, a great, I was it's just right to have one foot in each world, the seen and the unseen. Well, absolutely, and that's how I felt reading this book. I just I was so pulled in, and even though it's a life so different than mine, it was just it just reminded you uh, about so much. It, just the wisdom and the, the lessons, you know, throughout the centuries that the great ones have always taught us. And it was yes. just an amazing, amazing book. I really highly recommend it. Again, that was Linda Paglia with Trusting the Currents. And it is time, I believe, for Illuminations. 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 It's time for Illuminations. Food for your mind. Okay, Janice, what do you have for us? Okay, well, this one of my favorite people is Madame de Stahl. Probably nobody knows who that is. But I read this book and I thought it was kind of apropos. <laughs> okay. Love is the emblem of eternity. It confounds all notion of time. It faces all memory of a beginning, all fear of an end. Wow, that's beautiful. And mine is from the one and the only Addie Mae. Addie Mae. Sometimes folks get more from sleeping than waking hours. Even if we don't remember its lessons, it is when God does his best work, sending helpers into our dreams to bring heaven's messages from heaven. I don't know when it happened, when the night finally seduced me, when the promise of tomorrow convinced the memory of yesterday to let me go. Well, oh, Janice, that's beautiful. Thank you for another fascinating show, and thank you to our wonderful listeners for joining us once again. Don't forget to check out our new website and new blog at heavenlyencountersradio.com. Until our next show, be inspired, be empowered, and be well. You've been listening to Heavenly Encounters, a journey to the other side. Good night.